believe it's 2024. Time is flying by, isn't it? <laughs> How many of you remember when it wasn't 2000 yet? Anyone? Here we are in 2024. I wanted to take a minute as we start this year, and, and I wanted to just take a minute and look back. Um, I, I, I've been the pastor here for about six and a half years, and I've been here on staff for about 15 and a half years, and, and I just want to take a minute and look back at God's faithfulness. Uh, it's the beginning of a new year, and so that there's always that thought that we're moving into something new. But, but as I've kind of over the last week been looking back at, at what God's done, uh, two things kind of came to my mind. Um, the first is we've been through a lot, haven't we? We've been through a lot. We went through a pandemic. We went through quite a few things together. And, and, and the last six and a half years have been a great time. Um, but but there, we've been through a lot. But the second thing that I wanted to say today is this, that God has been so faithful and so good, and God has continually blessed our church. And that's not a six and a half year thing. That's a 60 plus year thing that God has been working and moving. And I was just thinking over the past week of the amazing things that God's been doing, the, the doors that God has opened and, and how God's been moving. And, and here's why I say all that, it, because I believe that God has great things in store for us in 2024. Uh, Pastor Brad just mentioned uh, about God leading and, and what God's been putting on my heart more and more every day is that 2024 is a year that we are going to bear fruit. Now, if you're not a church person, you might think that's weird language. Let me tell you what that is. Scripture tells us that we are to bear fruit. And, and, and what that means is, we, well, we just went through the fruits of the Spirit a couple months ago, that, that as we walk with Jesus, we are transformed to be more like Christ. We're growing in Christ's likeness. So that's one way that we bear fruit. But the second way is this, as we grow and as we walk with Christ, we are called into his mission, into his kingdom, and we are empowered and God works through us. And so not only are we supposed to bear fruit in becoming more Christ-like and more holy and better followers of Christ, but we're supposed to be sharing our faith and reaching out to others and bringing other people to Jesus. This is a journey that, that God's kind of had me on over the last years. I, I've told you before, I, I try to be as transparent as I can up here. And I've told you, I'm not one of those people that just loves going and talking to people that I don't know. I'm not one of those people that, that just enjoys talking all the time. I, I enjoy being by myself. I, I enjoy, I could take three or four days at home and be totally fine by myself. But, but God has been kind of pulling me out of my comfort zone because God has called me to bear fruit, not just to become more Christ-like, but to share Christ with others and build his kingdom. I think that's the vision that God has for us here at Westchester Nazarene here in 2024. God wants us to bear fruit, to grow in Christ-likeness, but to build the kingdom by sharing Christ with others. I want you to get this. This isn't just like a church thing. This isn't just a church meeting or a from the platform thing. This is about you. I believe that God's calling on every single one of our lives. We are the church and God is calling us to bear fruit. So here's the deal. God wants you to grow and become more like Christ God wants you to share your faith with others, to invite people uh, to come to know Jesus, to tell them about who Jesus is. And some of you are like, I'm new to this. I don't know enough about it. Invite people into the journey. God has done incredible things in this church for years, for, for 60 plus years, for six and a half. I'm so thankful. It is, I just want to say this. I love you all. It is a privilege 
to be your pastor. It's a privilege. Thank you for being a church that's giving, that's generous, that serves. It's a blessing to be a pastor with you. In 2024, God is calling us to bear fruit. It's happened before, it's going to happen again. God wants to do great things in your life. John chapter 15 tells us that we are all called to bear fruit. Now here's the good news. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm not trained, I'm not good enough. John 15 tells us that what we need to do to bear fruit is we need to be connected to Christ. We need to be connected to the vine, that if we walk in step with Him, if, if we know Him, then we will bear fruit. So, so here's where we're at. It's, it's, uh, it's the first week of, of, of January of 2024. We're going to start in Psalm 139. Because in order to bear fruit, this, you're going to hear this a lot this year, we are called to bear fruit. We are called to share Christ with others. And that's a you thing, but we're going to start in Psalm 139, we're going to start with prayer and fasting. Because this isn't about what I can do or what you can do, this is about what God wants to do in and through us. So stand with me. And, and could I just ask you to commit yourself at the beginning of this year to bear fruit? Commit yourself to know him more, to walk with him every day, and to bear fruit, to allow God to use you, to allow God to work in and through you. If you'll do that, just bow your head with me. If you want to be, if you say, absolutely not, you cannot close your eyes at it, whatever. <laughs> That's between you and God. But I want to pray for us. Lord, as we begin this 2024, Lord, I believe you have great things that you want to do here at Westchester Church. And it's not just as a, as a whole church, Lord, you want to do great things in each one of our lives. So I pray that you would call us to know you deeper. Pray that you would call us to walk with you closely. And I pray that you would help us to bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, stay standing. We're going to read Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. Our series that we're moving into is called Known. And Psalm 139 is this beautiful picture of a God that knows us deeply. You're going to hear it here. You can follow along on the screen as I read it. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You can have a seat. Let's just start right here. God knows you. Psalm 139 is a psalm of David, and he's writing to a God that knows him intimately. So sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that God is too big and that we are too small, and so we are insignificant, I want you to know that the God that we serve is not so big that he doesn't know you. He knows you intimately and completely. He knows you intimately and completely. God knows you. The God, God is huge. God created all of this, but the God that created it all loves you and knows you, knows everything about you. Psalm 139, David is writing about an incredible, intimate relationship that we are called into with the Creator God. Let's just start here. Don't let your relationship with God be about just coming to church and singing some songs and going home. God knows you deeply and invites you to know Him and to walk with Him every day. You're invited into a relationship with the Creator God. And this is really 
different than our world. Because our world's changing a lot, isn't it? So I want to start, let's get you guys involved. I want to I get some audience participation. If you're sitting near someone, if you're new and you're uncomfortable talking to them, it's okay, pretend, make me feel good. Uh, but, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about how many people really know you. I mean, how many people really, really, really know you? All right, go ahead. If you're by yourself, this is a weird question to talk to by yourself, but whatever, you can yell at someone else. But how many people, go ahead, share it with someone next to you. How many people in your life really know you? Here's the deal. I, I think that our world think that our world is changing, and I would guess that the number of people that really intimately know us is probably lower than that number would have been for people decades ago, because our world has changed so much. There's all these things, I, I mean, I, one of my neighbors gets DoorDash all the time, so let, let, I mean, I, I'm new to all this stuff, I don't do the DoorDash thing, maybe you do, but, but it blows my mind that instead of leaving their house to go get food, they get someone else to bring food, and they don't even see the person, they just pull up, and they walk up to our door and drop it on our doorstep, because they don't know which house is which, and then we take it over to our neighbor, and we don't even get tipped. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But seriously, like our world has gotten to the place, it's gotten to the place where you don't have to leave your house very much anymore. You can order groceries, pull up to the grocery store, pop the trunk, and someone will go put them in, say, have a nice day, you close it, boom, you're gone. You don't have to see anyone. You can get your food brought to you. Our world has more and more become disconnected. We have become disconnected from each other. We're, we're in those, those really fun months of the year here in Ohio, if you're not... Well, you're obviously not a snowbird if you're here. Some people escape them, but we're in these wonderful months where it's so cold that you don't want to go outside. And so we have these great things, these great inventions. We have these nice garages that we could pull our car into and then shut the garage. What a wonderful thing. I'm sure all of you have nice clean garages that you keep all your cars in. We have a garage, and it's there. But, but we have these garages we can pull into, we can close the garage door. This is that weird time of year. Like in, in the summer, it's kind of cool because we go outside, we see our neighbors, we wave to them, we talk a little bit. But this is the time of year where we don't see anyone. It's too cold to be outside. So we get home from work and we go inside and we get under a blanket or we start a fire or something like that. And, and, and it's this time of year where we're just kind of less connected than other times of the year. Our, our world seems to be changing in that direction. I think we all are aware at this point, by this point, that social media, what, what seems to connect us more, actually disconnects us from each other. Because what we might have done before with a, with a phone call or, or a visit, now we just do over the internet. And, and I think there, there was an app, uh, teens, you're going to have to help me with this, there was an app that was kind of big a while ago, I, I might be out of touch, but, but there was an app called Be Real, is that still a thing, guys? Yes, all right, be real. So, so people have realized that social media is not real. It's just what you put that other, you want other people to see. So there was a new app that came out, I don't know, six months ago or so, called Be Real. And the idea of this app, this social media, was that at a certain point in the day, you're going to get a message, and you've got to take your phone and take a picture of yourself, the real you, and send it out to everybody else. 
So there's this idea that we, we understand we're, we're coming to the realization that we are less and less connected to each other. I, I had a conversation with my dad. My dad's the district superintendent. He was a pastor here for 15 years, and I grew up a pastor's kid. And, and one of the things I remember growing up was that just about every week, we were in someone else's house or somebody was in our house. And, and the truth is, the church has just changed. Society's changed a lot. And that's just not really a thing that happens anymore. Even in the church, we are much less connected than we used to. You, I'll bet this is true, that even if you've gone to church here for 20 years, there are probably people, look around, everybody look around, there's probably plenty of people in here that you have no clue who they are. You may nod at them, you may wave at them, but we are less connected. I'll be honest, sometimes I'm tempted to think, to think oh man, I miss the old, but listen, God is good and God is working. We're going to talk about this in a couple months, by the way, that God is calling us to be more connected, but we live in a disconnected world and it seems like less and less people really know us. Can I tell you that the God that created the universe knows you completely and intimately. We see this all through Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see Abraham. God comes and speaks to Abraham. God comes to Jeremiah, to Jonah. We talked about Jonah. God, God knew what Jonah was doing and what he was thinking. We see it in the New Testament. Jesus goes to the, sees a woman at the well and meets her and tells her all about her life before she's ever met him. And she goes away and talks to other people and says, this man knows all about me and I just met him. We see Peter, one of the disciples, and, and Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no way. And what happens? He denies him three times because God knows us completely. It's a theme throughout God's word. And Psalm 139 tells us that God knows us completely. I'll just start with this question. You don't have to talk to your neighbor about this. Just think about this. How does that make you feel? Because we live in a world that is... It's easier and easier to disconnect, but, but to know that there's a God that knows everything about you. In a minute, we're going to talk about some different ways that we view that, but I want to read Psalm 139, verse 2 through 4 to you, and I want this to really sink into you just how deeply God knows you. It says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. God knows us completely, intimately. It, it says that God knows what we do. That, another app. Sorry, I'm talking about so many apps today, but Life360 was an app that came out a while ago where you can track each other. And we're sitting in staff meeting and we would be talking about somebody who's on their day off or something or, or somebody who's on a vacation day and say, wonder what they're up to. And, and some of the staff members would pull out their phone and look it up and be like, oh, they're at Starbucks down the road. <laughs> kind of creepy, right? I was a little bit creeped out by that. But, but Understand that God knows what you're doing, where you're going. In fact, God doesn't just know where you go. God knows where you're going before you go there. He knows you. He's, he's got you tracked. It says that God knows our thoughts. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Anybody scared by that one? Anybody willing to admit that that's a tough one to stomach, that God knows your thoughts 
Maybe I'm alone in this, but every once in a while I have this, this terrible thought. Can you see it on my head? Do you, can you see my thoughts right now? Every once in a while I have this, this thought that what if everyone can see what I'm thinking? Like what if it was just written on my forehead what I was thinking? I'd be in some trouble. I would be in some trouble. Have any of you ever thought that? Like, like what if people could tell what I was thinking at this moment? And that's a scary thing. God knows your thoughts from afar. Once again, God knows your thoughts before you even think them. That's a scary thing. It says God is familiar with your ways. I like that word, ways. I'll be honest, I didn't do the biblical research to know exactly what that word means. But, but God knows your ways. We have ways, don't we? I was thinking about as I've gotten, um, as we've been married for longer, we're coming up on 20 years this year, Megan and I. I've learned her ways, and they're great, by the way. Megan's the best. The best. And you know that means I'm going to say some things that might get me in trouble, right? Megan's the best. But I've learned her, her ways. So like when we're ordering food and she says, I don't want anything, maybe just a fry or two of yours. I know your ways, woman. You're going to eat half my food. I need to order another order. And so I've learned her ways, and I know her. An another one. If she says, can we just run out and do a quick errand? I know your ways. <laughs> You're trapping me into like three or four errands. I know what we're doing here. I've, I love my wife. She is wonderful. I know her ways. And so I kind of know what I'm signing up for now. I know what I need to do. God knows your ways. God knows your tendencies. God knows the way you think. God knows your ways. It says that God knows our words. Every once in a while in our house, one of the kids will say something that maybe they shouldn't say, and I catch it kind of out of the, you know, side of my ear over here. I'll hear something, and I'll say, what did you say? And they, they kind of shrink back, and they try to pretend, like, nothing. I didn't say anything. No, I heard something. What did you say? And, and they'll try to, you know, get out of it. They'll squirm and you've, you've had that happen. You've done that before, right? You've said something you wish you could take back instantly. Have you ever said something and thought, man, I wish, I, I hope they didn't hear that? God knows your words before they ever come onto your tongue. That's incredible. God knows us completely. The truth is we're probably pretty glad that people, other people don't know us that intimately. I'm, I'm glad that not everyone knows my thoughts or my words or all. I, I'm, that's a scary thing. But God knows you completely. The question is, what do we do with that? And, and here's, here's what I want to get to today is that I believe the way you know God and the way you think about God will, will influence the way you respond to his knowing you. The way we view and know God determines our response to his knowing us. In other words, if you know God is one thing, then, then knowing, knowing that he knows you will give you a certain response. I want to talk about three of those responses today. And, and I came up with names for them. They're just silly names I came up with. But, but there's three responses. Two of them are not the right response. And one is. So, so the first is this. Sometimes I think we view God as security camera God. It says that you know my ways, you know my words, you know my thoughts, and, and I'm just going to be honest, as, as a person who's been a Christian most of my life, as a pastor, occasionally I'm tempted to think that God is a security camera God, that God's just watching me, waiting to get me. When you walk in a store, there's security cameras everywhere. You know why they have those, right? 
so they know what you're doing, so you can't do bad things, so you can't steal. And sometimes when we view God and we know that he knows us, we sit there and we live in fear because we think that God's just waiting to get us. Old, old Christian word, smite. He's waiting to smite us. He's waiting to squash us. He's after us. And sometimes I fall into this where I think that God is this security camera God that's after me. He's just waiting for me to mess up. He's waiting for me to think the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. The problem with that is, the problem with that is that, that it makes us feel that we're never good enough. It makes us consistently reminded of our unworthiness. And it makes us live in this weird, fearful relationship of God. And that's not what God wants for you. That, that's actually a tool of the devil, is to make you live in guilt because you know that God knows you. So, so that's a tool the devil uses. He says, God knows all of your stuff and wants you to withdraw, wants you to live in fear, wants you to disconnect. Security camera God is not who God is. Let me tell you the truth. That God knows you completely and intimately. God knew, knows what you're going to say and do before you do it. God knows your thoughts before you think them. And still... Still, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to save you from those very thoughts and words and actions. Sometimes we live in this fear of God that he's just out to get us. Listen, God is not out to get you. God wants you to get just how much he loves you. He's gone to great lengths to save you. To give you life, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you could live, so that you could be saved. And that wasn't in ignorance. That wasn't, well, I didn't know how bad they were going to be. I didn't know he was going to think that. Or... He loves you. He knows you. And he chose to save you. God is not the security camera. God, yes, he sees all of your, your messes. Yes, he sees all your bad thoughts. He knows it. He loves you deeply. The second kind is what I would call the algorithm God. You guys know about algorithms, right? Our world kind of works in algorithms now. Are you aware that you're kind of constantly being watched or monitored, maybe is a better word for that? You've probably had this happen before, where, where you look at something like, hey, I, I'm going to buy a Bengals jersey, and so I go on and I look at one Bengals jersey, and what happens? Five minutes later, Bengals jerseys everywhere. Every ad on Facebook is Bengals jersey, and it's like the internet's saying to me, I saw you, you looked for this Bengals jersey, here's 75,000 more, do you want to buy one? And the internet's, maybe you even had this, sometimes we'll be talking about something, and then it'll pop up on our Facebook feed, an advertisement or something, and we're like, wait, is it listening to us? Some of you do this, I know, you cover the camera, the little uh, camera hole on your computer because you don't want people watching you. I mean, here's my take. If you want to watch me, like, how dumb are you? Like, wh whatever, go for it. Like, I'm not that, I'm not that cool. Go ahead. But, but we, we're aware we're being watched and monitored, right? And the truth is you're being, you, there are algorithms that are designed to watch you, to monitor you, so that, so that companies can know you completely and manipulate you and make you buy what they want you to buy or do what they want you to do. And sometimes I'm afraid that we, we look at God as the algorithm God. 
that, that knows us and just wants to manipulate us and control us. And, and when we view God that way, it, it tempts us to be, to be rebellious. I, I remember when I was in high school, senior year, I went to senior prom and we went in a group. There was like five couples. We went together. All church kids. They were from the district. How nerdy is this? They were from the district impact team, which was a church group that went and sang at churches. And we all went to prom together. And so there were five couples. And that night, all the couples were going to go spend the night at the same house. Not like in a weird way, but like the guys were going to be in one room and the girls in another. But it was going to be this fun like party. We're going to go to prom. We're going to do all this stuff. And then we're going to all have like a, a hangout night, right? All of us except who? Because <laughs> my parents said, no, <laughs> you're not going to stay at that house with your prom date and all those other people. You're not going to do that. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I thought, my mom and dad just want me to miss out on all the good things that are happening. Nine other people are getting to party and have fun all night, and I have to stay home because my parents don't want me to have a good time. They didn't want me to have a good time. <laughs> they said, No. And I thought they were just being controlling or, or manipulating. And the truth is, they just loved me and wanted the best for me. And now that I'm a parent, I know why they kept me home. <laughs> and I praise God that they kept me home. Psalm 139, verse 5 actually says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. That idea, that word, you hem me in, actually can be used in two different ways. One way is like when a military conquest would happen and they would take a village, they would surround them and, and they would have them. It's kind of like, come out with your hands up, you're done for. That idea of you're hemmed in, you're, you're controlled. And, and so that's kind of that view that maybe sometimes we get of God, is that God just wants us to miss out on all the good stuff that the world has for us, and he's got us, he's got us, you know, trapped. Listen, algorithm God is not, is not who God is. God's not trying to trap you. God's not trying to limit you or confine you. That word, hem you in, can be, can be translated to confine, to secure, to shut in, to besiege, to shut up, to enclose God's not trying to limit you. See, if we view God as a restricting or a, or, or a confining God, we're going to become bitter and rebellious towards God. But, but God's not an algorithm God. See, David writes this, and by the way, David had done his fair share of bad things and thought his fair share of bad thoughts and said his fair share of bad words. And he says, you hem me in behind and before. And David is not saying, you've got me trapped, God. I'll come out with my hands up because i got nothing else to do. David's not saying, you've got me trapped. David's saying, you're watching over me. He says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. That brings us to the third view of God. That was two, this is three. The third view of God. <laughs> the third view of God, and that's, this is who God is. God is your loving Father. Can you just take a minute? It's the start of 2024. And I know that we've all got different relationships in our lives, and I'm guessing most of you aren't intimately known by others, but can I tell you that, that God intimately knows you, and He is your loving Father? I think about the, the baby monitor when Eli was born, our giant Eli, you see him walking around, he's my size now, but when he was born, 
15 years ago, I remember that baby monitor would be on every night, and every time we heard a sound, we were up because we wanted to make sure that our boy was okay. When I take the kids to games and there's people all around, and you know, football games can be pretty rough, Bas basketball, baseball games, they can be pretty rough, fans can be rough. You know what I do? I kind of hem them in <laughs> because I, I want to protect them. It's not that I want to keep them from going and seeing all the cool stuff, it's that I want to protect them because I love them. I, I was thinking about this this week, I, I'm going to confess something to you. Uh, when Charlie was play, first playing football, he played for uh, one of the flag football teams and, and there was a practice and I was sitting in my little lawn chair, just minding my own business, you know, and, and that coach would make them run to the fence and back. And, and you know, kids, what are they going to do? They're going to race. And Charlie happens to be a pretty quick kid, so he's running, but there were two other kids that were kind of the, you know, alpha male kids on the team, and they didn't like that Charlie was running and maybe even beating them, so you know what they did? They ran over and they just shoved Charlie down. All right, I'm a pastor now. <laughs> but I'm a loving father, and I wanted to find those kids' father <laughs> and not be so loving towards them. But I want you to know that God loves you and knows you and he watches over you and he hems you in. You know, sometimes when we set guidelines, every once in a while we'll have this argument at home. It's, it's midnight. You guys all let your kids stay up till midnight sometimes, right? Cool, good. I feel better about myself. It's midnight and our kids are like, don't make us go to bed. We say, yeah, you got to go to bed. No, come on, let, us, let me stay up another hour. It's okay. I feel fine. I'm not even tired. But, but even the, the guideline, even when we make them go to bed, it's because we love them and we know what's best. Maybe the next 30 minutes will be fine, but tomorrow you're going to be a wreck. We love our kids. We know our kids. God knows you completely. And God wants the best for you. He's not trying to confine you. He's not trying to, to, to trap you. He's trying to give you life to the fullest. Just this week we had a conversation about social media with one of our kids. We said, listen, you're too young for it. Study after study after study tells us that social media is damaging our kids. It's making them depressed. It's making them lonely. And so we said, we love you. We're not trying to keep you from something amazing. We're trying to help you have your best life. God knows you intimately and completely. And God loves you more than you will ever know. God knows your deepest, darkest secrets, your, the worst thoughts you've ever had, the worst things you've ever done, the worst places you've ever gone. God knows. What's God's response? God's response to know everything about you is that, number one, he loves you. Number two, he watches over you. And number three, his hand is upon you. That's just a you know, kind of a biblical way of saying God wants to bless you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to help you have life to the fullest. God knows you completely. He loves you. So here's the deal. We're starting 2024. And, and, and we're, this is going to be a year that we bear fruit. I, I believe God wants each and every one of us, no matter if you've been a Christian for five days or you're not even a Christian yet or you've been a Christian 80 years, I believe that God wants to transform your heart and God wants to, to help you bear fruit. It starts by understanding that God knows us deeply and intimately. God loves us. He, David finishes up in verse 6 by saying, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty 
for me to attain. In other words, God, you know me better than I know myself, and that's a good thing. As we get, worship team, you can come on up. As we get ready to, uh, you know, to leave the church here, we're going to sing a song. And this song is all about who God says you are, who God knows you are. Here's what I want us to do. This is a month of prayer and fasting. So we're just going to spend some time in prayer and response. And there's different ways you can respond. You can come pray at an altar. These altars are not a bad place. These are a place to connect with God. As we sing this song about God knowing you and loving you, I invite you, if you want to come up to an altar at the beginning of 2024 and just commit yourself to say, God, I know you love me and you know me. Will you show me? Will you lead me? Will you guide me? Maybe you want to stay at your seat and you want to pray. Maybe you want to stand and put your hands up. Maybe you want to, whatever it is. The God of the universe, the God that created all of this, knows you today. And as we start 2024, let's just start by spending some time and asking God to show us his love for us. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here in his spirit and wants to speak to you today. So whatever stance you want to take, standing, sitting, kneeling in an altar, whatever it is, let's start 2024 by praying, by seeking God. Father, thank you that you know us and love us. Pray that you continue to speak to us now. Help us to worship you with our response. Help us to come vulnerably and surrender ourselves to you now. Remind us of your love for us, Lord. Remind us that you know us better than we know ourselves and that you want the best for us. We love you, Lord.